All right, you ready? I'm ready. Operation Penny Go. I'm going to pretend to tie my shoe, but I'm actually going to deploy a penny on the sidewalk of New York here. Hang on. All right, 42nd Street. David's playing it cool. He's tying his shoe. A shiny, shiny penny is now in the middle of the sidewalk. We're going to walk away. Let's go hide behind the lamppost over there. Okay. We can go up here. We wanted to do an experiment. See how long it would take before someone picked the penny up. Nope. Woman in the green shirt, nope. Hipster in the shoes, no. No, oh, she she walked right over it. That woman saw it. She looked down. Oh, come on. There's two little kids here. Those are, they're under eight years old. Nothing. We hung out for half an hour. Perhaps a thousand people walked by. We put more pennies out. Nothing worked. Pennies seemed to be invisible. Did you happen to see that penny when you were standing here? No. Would you, would you ever pick up a penny? Have you ever picked up a penny? No. I don't pay attention to the what's up. I actually don't look. I think they're a little bit in the way more than invisible. What are you, a rich guy? You can just walk by money on the street? Finally, we resorted to stopping people, pointing at their feet, and saying, there is a penny on the street. Are you going to pick it up? I'll pick it up. Yay! <laughs> What are you going to spend it on? Um. Good question. She looked at the penny, handed it to her friend. He handed it back to us. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Robert Smith. Today on the show, the penny. And the strange spot it occupies in our economy. It is almost worth nothing, but not quite. Three stories today on The Little Guy. Let's start with a very basic question. Can you still buy anything for a penny? Jacob Goldstein and I headed out on the streets of Manhattan with a pocket full of pennies and a mission. We had to think, what's really cheap? Maybe a sheet of paper. There's a copy store right across the street from our office. How how much would one piece of plain white paper cost? We never sell a piece of paper. (laughs) If somebody needs a piece of plain white, we just give it to them. All right, maybe the guy with the fruit stand on the corner? What if we wanted to buy one cherry? No, one cherry. The pound. You have to buy a whole pound. The one pound. Okay, it is tough to find something for a penny. It's tough to get anyone to think in terms of pennies, especially in midtown Manhattan. Not a cheap place. But there is one upside of being in Manhattan, and that's that there's these little weird, super specialized stores that sell tiny, cheap things. A few blocks from our office in the fashion district, there's this store that just sells buttons. Um, So what is the cheapest button in the store? 50 cents. No. (laughs) What are you talking about? All right, smaller. Same block as the button store is Trim de Carnival. This is a store that sells tiny, tiny sequins like you might sew on a dress for Mardi Gras. We walked in and we asked Krishna Verna, what is the cheapest thing we can get here? Well, you could get a sequin for like a penny. Wait, a single sequin? <laughs> a single sequin. I mean, something like, let's say, a sequin like this. The, the bag is $5 or whatever, you know, and then uh, a single sequin could be like a penny. But if somebody came in with a penny and said, open that up? No. Oh, you wouldn't do it? No. You just told me it was a penny. No. Why not? It's not worth my time. I mean, how, how many people would have to come in for a penny and a penny and a penny to make, my, to make me pay my rent? A penny is not worth her time. And I should say here, it's not like she's that busy. Mardi Gras already happened. We were the only people in the store. Everywhere we went, 
everyone talked about the hassle of this kind of transaction. The button guy said the space that a button takes up in his store costs him more than a penny. A lady at the bead store, you know, where you buy the beads for necklaces, she said the paper for the receipt that she would have to give me would cost her more than a penny. Not sure if that's actually true, but, but we knew what she meant. There are super cheap things in the world, a piece of paper, a tiny plastic bead. People just didn't want to sell them to us, like the lady at 38th Street Hardware. This right here, look at those things. Come on. What is this? It's an electrical nut. That's that a, a that's locking free. Nut? It's free. No. Yeah. You can't make money if you sell it for free. I give out actually a lot of things for free. So why not just sell it for whatever, a penny, but two it's cents? It's not worth selling. I'd rather keep my customer and just give it to them, make them happy. The value of the goodwill she gets from giving away a little electrical nut is worth more than the few cents that she'd hope to sell it for. Bottom line, no one would sell us anything for a penny. But we came as close as you could come. How would we describe this? What is this thing? It's a 3 washer. Which is, you know, for people who don't know hardware, a little so a round little, thing little, with a little, hole in the middle. Yeah, it's a little metal washer with a hole, which you put with a screw to help hold it in place. This is Brothers Hardware, and that's Jim Bankston, one of the brothers, holding a tiny little washer. How much does it cost? Two cents. Two cents? Two cents for this thing. By far the cheapest thing we found in Manhattan. Do we know uh, who makes this? Probably some Chinese guy. My name? Oh, I'm Jim. Jim. It's made in China. I mean, it's not made here. What is the name of your company? Ningbo Exact Fasteners Company Limited. Ningbo Exact Fasteners Company Limited of Ningbo, China, actually just outside Ningbo, China, they specialize in making washers just like this one. And we called them because we wanted to know, how is it possible to sell this thing for two cents? So I'm interested in washers because they are very inexpensive. And I'm interested... Very cheap. You mean cheap. Cheap. I do mean cheap. They're very cheap. Just think of all that has to happen to get this washer to this hardware store in Manhattan. You have to dig the metal out of the ground, turn it into steel, make the steel into a washer, package it, get it onto a ship, and send it across the world. And then, in the United States, there's some guy like a longshoreman who has to unload the washers, put it on a truck, get it to the store, unpack it, put it on the shelf, put it in this little bin so that I can pick it up and buy it for two cents. Two cents! Two cents! So how is all this possible? Well, the labor, of course, is cheap. Jim told us the workers at Exact Fastener make about $700 a month. And, of course, no one has a patent on washers, so you have lots and lots of companies competing to sell the exact same thing as cheaply as possible. In the end, really, a washer is just this little piece of metal. It's a commodity, and its price basically just goes up and down with the price of raw steel. And we've left out probably the biggest reason that washers are so cheap volume. Ningbo Exact Fastener Company Limited sells washers by the ton. And I don't mean that as a metaphor. The minimum order is one ton. So if that's the minimum order, how many washers is it? How many washers are there in one ton? I asked Jim to do the math. 720,000, yes. If you buy a ton of washers, one penny will get you seven of the little guys. Then you factor in transportation to America, storage, profit for the importer, profit for the brothers who own the hardware store. And what you end up with might just be the smallest transaction that you can make in New York City. One washer, two pennies. Big sale. Take tomorrow off. 
Hey, Jacob. Hey, Robert. Hey. I actually know someone who will take those pennies off your hands. We are going to hand over the show to Zoe Chase. She's just back from Pittsburgh. Yes. And that is where I met a penny joneser. This dude has never walked past a penny and not picked it up. In fact, he takes his paper money, his dollar bills, goes to the bank and asks for pennies. I have $50 that I don't need for anything else right now, so I'm going to go in here to the PNC bank and ask for two boxes of pennies. Most people, right, they usually change in coins for dollars. Steve Wardak, he does the opposite. He's 28 years old, bushy red beard. And the reason Steve collects the pennies is not to spend them, not to buy one washer at a time or a sequin. He wants the pennies because of the copper inside them. You should think of Steve as a very small speculator on the price of copper. And what he's looking for is a particular vintage of pennies. The 2013 ones are mostly zinc with a copper plating, and they're, they're worth one cent exactly. That is not a good investment, but any penny made before 1982, those are the ones he wants. 1982 and prior, they're 95% copper, and they're worth about two cents maybe a little more depending on the price of copper. So I like to pull those out and double my money very slowly. This prospecting for copper one old penny at a time, there are thousands of people that are doing this. What he's doing, this is a thing. Steve Womack is what's known as a coin roll hunter. The coin roll hunters, they like to go online and show off their hauls. Well, guys, I did it again. Had to go and pick up another box, $25 worth of penny rolls. There are dozens of these. These are all uh, pre-1982 copper pennies. Some people have these special machines that sort out the pre-1982s from the post-1982s. I can turn it on for a second and show you how fast it goes. These are all copper, so it goes straight down. For some people, this is almost a full-time job. Like, I talked to this one guy. He had something like $5,000 in pennies because he was hitting banks 15 times a week. Steve is more of a small-time operator. He gets his coins. He brings them home to his fiance, And this is, this is kind of the thing that they do at night. They sit together in the living room next to each other and go through it. Just get going. Like, I'll, I'll give her a box, and I'll take my own box. 82. You actually get lucky really quickly. Almost a third of the pennies Steve is pulling out are from 1982 or before. These are the copper pennies. You can tell the difference in sound. And these are the zinc pennies that they make now. And it sounds completely different. It, it sounds like fake money. Once again, copper. Zinc. Steve has collected $475 in old pennies. He figures the copper is worth double the face value, so that's $1,000, stacked in boxes in the back of his closet. Now, there is this problem with this investment strategy, which is right now it is illegal to melt these pennies down. The copper in the pennies is stuck there. Unless, and this is what these guys are hoping for, the U.S. government kills off the penny. 82. This is not unreasonable. Two years ago, Canada got rid of its penny, and Canada is now making money off them. They collect their own old pennies, melt them down, and add them to the Canadian Treasury. Politicians and economists have talked about doing that here because it costs more than a penny to mint a penny. 
and it has for some years now. So we're losing millions of dollars every year making these things. Coin roll hunters, they dream about that day that the penny dies in the U.S. If you turn on the computer right now and you saw that they'd abolish the penny, what would you do? I would probably go buy as many boxes as I could afford. Steve says he would not cash them in right away. Because actually for him, that day, the day they kill the penny, that is the day that he could collect. But it's also a sad day for him. And when, when the pennies are abolished, then that's the end of one of your hobbies right there. Because, hey, I can only look through so many more, and it's fun to do. You would miss them. Yeah, yeah, I would. In the meantime, thousands of people are out there hoarding copper pennies. This one guy out in Portland, he rented out some space in an armored car warehouse. So he has a regular supply of coins coming in. He sorts them with industrial-sized sorting machines and sells off the copper ones online. That's that guy's whole job. That's how many people are out there betting against the penny. Oh, the poor penny, abandoned on the street, orphaned in that little bowl by the cash register, stored in the back of some guy's closet in Pittsburgh. The little penny is just awaiting its sad, sad end. Our last story, though, is about one place that still dreams of the penny, a place, in fact, where people think pennies could change everything, the Internet. On the Internet right now, there are basically two ways people get paid for content. The first is ads. People put advertisements on their site. The second, subscription fees. You want to read a New York Times article or a bunch of them? It's $15 a month. But there was always a third possibility, a path so far not taken, the path of the penny, the virtual penny. What if you could, as you travel around online, pay, say, one cent for the stuff you like and use? You watch a cat video, you read a blog, print out a recipe. What if each time you did that, there was an easy way for you to pay that person a tiny amount of money? In 1997, some programmers at Digital Equipment Corporation actually worked on this idea. Did it have a secret code name, this project? Uh, it was always called Millicent. M-I-L-L-I-C-E-N-T. This is Russ Jones, who was part of the team. What was the smallest amount you imagined someone uh, paying with the system? We were designing the system so, so that you could do transactions down to a penny. Turns out it is a pain to send pennies around the Internet. There are always transaction costs. Between the credit card companies and processors, you could end up spending 30 cents to send one penny. The Millicent solution was to basically wait until the end of the day or the month or whatever, add up all the small change people were sending around, and pay it to each recipient in a lump. They decided to try it out. They signed up businesses willing to sell stuff for spare change. One guy made a virtual guitar. For 25 cents, you could play it online. This was a while ago. The Oxford English Dictionary also participated. For one penny, you could get a very detailed definition of a word. And it basically worked, but there was this downside. It kind of changed the nature of surfing the web. People were used to getting stuff for free. They did not like paying, even small amounts. One of the things we found out was that people, you know, people would get as aggravated when something went wrong with a five-cent purchase as when something went wrong in the real world with a $50 purchase. Really? Um, like, that wasn't the word I meant to look up in the Oxford English Dictionary. Yeah, yeah. So it's like, you know, I I accidentally keyed in the wrong word, and I just lost my penny. I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> Millicent never made it out of the lab. But it's 17 years later now. Maybe it's a better time. 
The internet seems to be changing. People are buying stuff for small amounts. You can get a song for 99 cents, a game for two bucks. So why not pennies? A big venture capital firm in Silicon Valley is into this idea, and people are trying to make it work again. Oh, I think it can change. It could be, um, it would probably be the, the biggest change in, since, it, since the occurrence of the internet. This is Linus Olson, co-founder and CEO of an online payment system called Flatter. Like Flatter, but without the E. And Flatter gets around that problem that Millicent had of turning web surfing into a kind of unpleasant shopping trip. Flatter makes paying voluntary, like a tip. Basically, you load up your Flatter account with however much money you want to give away in a month, say 10 bucks, whatever. Then if you see an article or a cat video you like, you click on a little Flatter button. At the end of the month, everyone you flattered splits the money you set aside. Actually, at the system right now, can can do fractions of cents. Um, fractions of a penny. That's how it works right now. So it will be one cent in the future. So make the case that a penny is worth something. Yeah, it, it, it's worth something if there are a lot of people uh, that does the same thing. So so we have this saying that we've been using that is a Swedish saying. Många veckor små blir en stor å. And it and means what? It would translate to many small streams forms a large river. I asked him how large that river was so far. We have not managed to, to break into um, mass market yet. We have not managed to do the revolution we want yet. What's the largest check that you've cut to anybody? Like other people are getting thousands of dollars a month from this? Yeah. Tens of thousands? Uh, no. We have, a, we have a podcaster who, who makes his living from this. I think he gets like $5,000 or something. He's, he's quite public with his numbers. A month? Yeah. Okay. A penny can actually be a lot in the online world. If you try to earn money by putting ads on your website, how much do you get paid per visitor? Well, if one person sees that ad, you might get one one-hundredth of one penny. So a whole penny, one cent, from a certain perspective, it is worth picking that up from the sidewalk. Okay, so we failed in our quest to buy something for a penny, but maybe you can do better. If you see an individual object on sale for a penny, the more unusual the better, take a photo and email it to us, planetmoney at npr.org. Put penny in the subject line. You can also tweet the photo, or you can send it to Instagram. We're at Planet Money. Thanks to Damiano Marchetti for producing the podcast today. Robert, you just went outside to see if any of the pennies were still there on the street, and... Six hours later, I can report to you that every penny is gone. <laughs> gone? They're gone. I suspect, though, that it's the guy with the broom who keeps the park clean there on 42nd Street. I so thought you were going to say every one of them is there. No. Somebody has the pennies. Maybe they're melting them down as we speak. I'm David Kestenbaum. And I'm Robert Smith. Thanks for listening. Yeah.